Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday. We're ready to talk some more USC Trojan football like we always do here. On the Parasol Podcast, we're going to talk to the coach, Harvey Hyde, about getting ready for spring football. What do you got to do? You don't just roll out on the practice field and uh, start practicing. You got to do a lot of prep work in those weeks leading up to spring football. So we're going to talk about that, answer a bunch of your questions. If you have any questions for us, you can email us, podcast at uscfootball.com. Or if you'd like to call us and leave a voicemail or send us a text, you can do that at the number of 424 254 9141. That's 424-254-9141. We got some voicemails. We got some texts. Lots of stuff to get to on the show today as the countdown to spring football continues. 2019 is rolling on, and we're going to roll on with the coach, Harvey Hyde. You can follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or go to his website, HarveyHyde.com. What's up, coach? How are you? Well, Brian, it's a beautiful weekend uh, for a lot of people. They have a day off. Uh, I would like to say, uh, I like days off, but I love, I like working more. <laughs> so, uh, that's, that's why you and I are doing our podcast today because we love what we do. We look forward to doing what we do. And, and for everyone out there, we hope you're just as happy as we are at what you do. So, uh, I'm ready to roll, buddy. Anything you want to talk about, I'm here to do it for you. Yeah, I'm ready to roll too, coach. And, you know, happy President's Day to everyone. I don't even think about it. Like when you come in on holidays or Sunday, you know, weekends or whatever, that's just, if you're covering like sports, it, like the, the day of the week doesn't really matter all that much. Holidays, all that stuff doesn't matter. But yeah, like, oh, yeah, it is a hot, like there was less people in the parking lot today in my office. Oh, yeah, because it's a, it's a holiday for a lot of people. So hopefully you're enjoying the holiday or you did. And uh, you're enjoying this show somewhere now. Maybe you're out going for a walk or going to the gym or whatever. Whatever you're doing, do appreciate you listening uh, on your commute, wherever it is, listening to the show. Uh, before we jump in, I wanted to thank our sponsor, Southern California Tickets. If you want to give them a call for any ticket-related needs you have, 1-800-888-7287 or go to the website, SoCalTix.com. We're going to get to the second half of the NBA season interesting see how how well the clippers finish see if the uh lakers can make the playoffs all this weird stuff kind of going on in the nba you can watch that of course pitchers and catchers have already reported i think position players report today maybe go out to spring football i mean spring football spring training in arizona uh or you know if you're down in the florida area you can do that as well and of course baseball season's just around the corner so lots of needs for tickets and sc tickets will help you out southern california tickets um, well, coach, so spring football starts, uh, in a few weeks now. So what today is the 18th. Uh, so it's going to start, wow, just over two weeks away. Uh, March 5th is the first day of spring football. They'll practice Tuesdays, Thursdays, and then Saturdays. That'll be a six week period. And then they take one week off in the middle for, uh, spring football. And it's, kind of a different time because USC's had a bunch of coaching turnover. So especially when you're changing something as big as the offensive coordinator, bringing in a whole new offense, it seems like not a lot of time coach to go from, you know, where you were getting everybody settled on signing day 
and getting you know Graham Harrell and, and the new coaches in and get them settled and then get them everyone on the same page get the prep ready to, to go and have spring you know let the players know what they need to do and then the beginning of spring football what goes on between signing day and the start of spring football what kind of preparation does a, the head coach have to do and all the assistant coaches and stuff to get those players ready cuz like i said in the opening you can't just walk out in the practice field and start practicing. Like there's a lot of prep work that has to go in to make sure you have a plan in place, all the details and the players know what's expected of them. The coaches know what's expected of them when you go into spring football. Well, Ryan, I I tell you, this is one of the most important uh, periods of time during uh, the football uh, season era, anything, but you're with your conditioning coach and uh, you're off the football field more than you're on the football field. So the way you develop the confidence in your ability and who you are and your new identity starts way back if you're a returning player at the end of the season. After your last game, you should be thinking about your next game or your next time you step on a football field and how do we become better and de- and don't repeat uh, the type of season we had. Now, this all starts with the philosophy of the head coach as far as now determining how he's going to change his image, how the uh, team is going to change their in- image, how you're going to build the confidence of these players to get back to where they should be and who they should be. Because they're all excellent athletes. Now you've got to make them believe they are again and bring back their confidence. Because not only did they did not uh, complete a, a season that they expected, uh, they lost a lot of their confidence in that and they've been reading all of the things in the newspaper that some sometimes put a doubt in your mind of what am i doing where am i at who are we at usc what is our identity and it starts right with your off-season programming with your strength coach and the philosophy of what the head coach has told the strength coach as far as and the assistant coaches on how much they're involved in developing these kids into the positions they play and what their strengths and weaknesses are and this is where it starts. Now, uh, currently, right now, they do not have a strength coach or a name coach. Uh, that is the strength coach. So I think that puts a doubt, too, in the program as far as the off-season training because you've got to make those type of decisions on who are these guys, how are we going to change, how are we going to become more physical in the offensive and defensive line, how are we going to become stronger, how can I weigh how I got better before I step back on the field. And it all starts there in the off-season with your motivator, who's the guy that says, this is what time you come in this room. This is what time we work out. This is not a social session. This is where we get better. And each individual comment that he makes and every bit of contact he has with these players are done in, and I I always used to felt, a team manner where we get better together, where everybody doesn't worry about who's being there and who wasn't there, but everybody's there. It isn't like some guys work out at a different time or some guys have special privileges uh, and they don't have to work out as hard. And Because everybody, everybody knows what everybody's doing. Everybody knows that we're busting our butt and those guys over there aren't doing anything or they're talking or they're not coming regularly. It all starts to be uh, – it starts – uh, with a purpose that we want to get better and we spend more time uh, in the off-season than we do on the regular season to accomplish this type of thing. So it has to start there, and the image has to start there. And then 
kids start to see that they're bench pressing more and they're stronger and they're running faster and they're jumping higher and they like the philosophy of the direction of the new strength and conditioning coach. And there hasn't been a strength and conditioning coach named that I know of. Now, maybe there has been, but you've got to have the leader of who's going to be leading these kids where they follow him onto the playing field. Because this guy not only leads them there, he does it in the stretching, he does it before a game, he does it before practice, he's around them. They look at him as their guy, their guru. This is the guy that's going to take them onto the field where they're stronger and they can punch harder and run faster, tackle harder and do all the things you need to do. That's why I look at my strength and conditioning coach, and that's the way I used to preach to him, and that's what I wanted. And I also thought it was important, too, that the position coaches keep track of their players and motivate them and do mention to them when they see significant changes in their arms and their sizes and their strength and what they're doing so they see that they're making progress and we are having a positive off-season. So there's a lot happening in the conditioning program and there's a lot happening in the offices. We can talk about that too, on what Clay Helton is setting as far as his philosophies with the coaches. Yeah, no, I mean, they get some good points there as far as the strength and conditioning coaches because those are the guys that are, you know, they're seeing the players right now. They spend the most time with them, and, and USC still hasn't hired a permanent strength and conditioning coach. Um, so, you know, you have it basically the you know the assistants from before are running things now from uh, Ivan Lewis's uh, staff. So, kind of going forward with that. So, we'll see if we, we haven't heard anything more on that. But I was talking more specifically, coach, about you know every day in practice there has to be a plan. There's a script. There's this is what we're going to do here. This is what we're going to do there. A lot of that's going to change having a new offense in there, how much time goes into that? Like, what do you have to do as a, as a head coach and the, and the group of assistant coaches to really plan out what spring, what you want to get accomplished in all the uh, 15 spring practices? Well, what you do is you have to sit down as a head coach and put together what your goals are as a head coach. What are, what are my goals? What do we, or what I think that we need to get done here to become a better football team? And you sit down with your entire staff, and you say, hey, this is what we got to do. Now, every coach has a different philosophy. There's so many periods you have during a practice. You can have 16 periods. You can have 18 periods. You can have, you know, you take a guy like Jimbo Fisher. He has 24 periods, 24 periods during a practice. He's going to grind you. He's going to work you. I mean, you're going to hit. You're going to be in full gear. You're going to have two two scrimmages going on. You're going to have one on one field and one on the other field. Nobody's going to be standing around. You've got ones against threes and twos against fours every single day on inside and outside drills, on all type of pass rushing drills, everything. So, you know, you, but you split your staff up, but you get more done. You got players practicing. You got players getting better. Are you going to go the Jimbo Fisher way or are you going to go 16 periods and have it a uh, a sh- uh, not as many periods, keep your staff together, be on one field, have a lot of people watching, not as many reps. So you got to decide what your philosophy is. What do we need to do with this football team to get better? Do we need to, to do this or do that? And obviously, I, you know, I, I, I've got my f- philosophy of what I do is, is we got to get better as a team. Every player has got to get better. So I want every player practicing hard. I want every minute of the day that the NCAA allows us to be in full pads and hitting, we're going to utilize every single minute of that. And I'm going to relay that to my staff. I'm going to come in and say, here's what we're going to do. 
This is the number of periods we're going to have. This is what my philosophy is. Let's sit down and talk about the periods. Let's sit down and talk about the rotations. Let's talk about our stretching. Are we going to have a disciplined period during stretching too? Or is guys going to fool around and when we warm up or some guy's going to go hard or some guy's going to go slow? Or are we going to roll back a period when it isn't done right and start over again? So everybody understands that every period is important, whether it's stretching, striding, agilities, whatever that period is, we go 100% or it doesn't count. And you got to go back and decide who you're going to be, and you're going to set your identity in the spring. You can't start easy and then get hard. you got to start as, hey, this is what I expect, not just with my players, but with my coaches, your teachers. I want my players to get better. I want you to coach them. Uh, and I don't want you to let any little thing go. And we're going to have uh, officials out there every single day. I want them on individual drills. I want them on team drills. I want them on everything so that you, we are not going to get beat by a stupid penalty. And I let all my uh, coaches understand what my philosophy as a head coach. Unless your people understand what you want, that's your coaches to your players, how can they perform it? And you then enforce it. And I think this is what now Clay Helton should be doing. And obviously they're having staff meetings. They should be because they've got a new offensive coordinator and he has to relay what he wants to do to everybody and set a tone. And it's very interesting to see just what his philosophy is going to be and just how much authority he has and how much uh, or will his uh, offensive staff listen to him, agree with him, or will they disagree with him? Or, you know, being a younger guy, he's got some experienced guys that have been offensive coordinators on that staff as far as Rodrigo and, you know, and he's coached in uh, many big bowl games and in the, in the NFL. And you've got a coordinator coming in that uh, really hasn't accomplished much. Uh, they got beaten their bowl game. What was it? 56, 46 to 13 against Utah State. So, you know, a lot of people are going to test him on not with do not respecting him, but all right, kid. It's now time to step up, and you're going to tell me now what to do, and Baxter what to do, and uh, Colbert what to do, and other people what to do. So, hey, uh, well, you've got to let people know who you are, too, and accept establishment and say, who is this guy? Because he didn't bring his whole staff in. He's, ex- he's taken a staff that was given to him. Now, on the defensive side of the football, they've got other things going on there, but again, Coach Clay Helton has got to tell Pentagrass exactly what he expects too and what he wants from his defense and and the same type of things as far as coaching and recruiting and all the things that are there because it all starts with the head coach and it all starts with a philosophy that everybody understands what's going on or this period doesn't count or we're not getting the coaching done out here. I tell you, and you know I've told you this before, there's been a period of time I threw every coach off the, off the practice field because I didn't think we were getting the effort from the coaches that we needed to as i've done with the uh with the team and then brought it back out again everybody has got to be on no one takes a day off we don't have time to waste when we take a day off every second means somebody everybody's trying to beat us it's not a big difference between winning and losing today now i've rambled too long so i'll stop (laughs) that's all right good stuff there coach uh just seeing 
you know, what goes into all that prep work uh, to get ready. It should be really interesting to watch because we don't know how different practice is going to be. Uh, will the offense just look completely different the way they prepare, you know, and then that impacts the way uh, the defense could prepare too. So it should be, it, I'm get you know, Clay Helton likes to do the same thing, coach. Like there, he usually comes up with a plan and, and he just likes to stick to that plan. I think the plan had to change a little bit this off season. And we'll, you know, we'll be able to walk out in the practice field and probably know within the first hour or so of practice, like, wow, this looks different or nope, this is pretty much the same thing. Yeah, and you're exactly right. And uh, I think the players look for the same thing. Are we doing the same thing again that really wasn't that successful? Are we doing some things differently? And and there's going to be new coaches. Don't you think they're going to be evaluating the new coaches too, the players? Yeah. As the other coaches are going to be evaluating uh, who these people are they brought in and what do they know and why is he a coordinator? What is he going to add to us? All the other different things that are happening and I like the way he coach. I doesn't. I don't like the way he coaches. Uh, I don't like the way he treats his players. I don't like the way he treats his staff. I mean, there's all these type of things that got to be worked out, and it just starts with the head coach and the chain of command type of thing. First of all, you know, you don't uh, you don't treat your players uh, in a way where you show them you don't love them. If your players don't love you and you don't love them, they're not going to play hard for you. And I tell you, the first time. I used to see player or coaches chewing out players before they even knew them. I say, what are you doing? Why in the hell would you think this guy wants to play for you when you treat him like that? You treat him with respect the same way he wants you to treat him. And you get him to know that you care about him and you want him to be as good as he can be and you'll do anything you can in your power to help him obtain his goal, which means our team will obtain our goal. So those are the whole things you have to do as a head football coach and walk, walking around practice and evaluating your teaching uh, that is going on by your teachers. It's like a principal at a high school. These guys are all teachers in different classrooms. You want to make sure that they're getting the message across to the players in a way where the players want to learn and want to be getting an A on every test. Yeah. And that's what it comes down to, and you've got to really be on top of that. But you've got a lot of players and a lot of coaches. I don't know how many people you have on the staff now. Probably 20, 30 people when you add up everybody in the media book. Yeah. Uh, speaking of uh, some new people, uh, we had a series of, of text questions. Uh, no name was left, but it was from the uh, up in the Monterey Bay area, like Northern California, uh, up there. But we had it. The first question was, uh, what are the pulses of having USC hire quality control assistants like Joe Bolden and John David Baker? And what do you guys know about them? And so I'll, I'll give you a little quick uh, report. We put up a couple of stories. So first, um, you know, John David Baker, I think that was broken by pro uh, football scoop. So he, he's coming in as a quality control assistant. He was essentially Graham Harrell's right-hand man at North Texas, so what they do is they'll handle preparation for game days and uh, the, the whatever position they're helping out with. They'll typically get involved with a lot of the film analysis and maybe like statistical research and things like that. Don't know a ton uh, about him. He played quarterback uh, at uh, Abilene Christian University and, uh, and he played in Texas high school as well. He was a GA at Abilene uh, and then he joined Graham Harold's squad 2016 uh, at North Texas. So sort of like... Graham Harrell didn't get an assistant coach to come with him, but 
Uh, he had someone that was working with him for a few years uh, at Graham at uh, Graham at uh, North Texas. So that's kind of the the story behind John David Baker. And then the other guy, uh, Joe Bolden, more of a Pac-12 guy. So um, he's going to be on the support staff as well. He played linebacker at Michigan, and he's going to be a special teams uh, quality control analyst. So he was at Washington State for two years as a graduate assistant on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and he, he actually started as a GA at Michigan too. Um, so yeah, he was pretty, you know, I think he was a four-star guy coming out of high school when he ended up playing at Michigan. Uh, and he's going to help him out, um, you know, help him out with the special team side. So a couple of, of, you know, quality control assistants, the analysts, whatever you want to say, um, you know, younger coaches that were, you know, haven't, they're not that far removed from their playing days, but the text question was asking about that coach. And so it's good. I think it's good that they you know, increase the, uh, uh, the support staff a little bit there. No, I think it's good to have guys, but there's gotta be a purpose for everybody. The worst thing you do is have people in the office who wonder what they're supposed to do. Everybody's got to have a responsibility. If it's his job to come and make sure the coffee's on in the morning, yeah, and you got to make sure the coffee's on in the morning, but he's got to have a responsibility. And I, I think that to have too many people around that don't know what they're doing bother everybody else. And then nobody's really getting anything done. I think too many coaches sometimes are too many coaches, too many opinions, and you become lazy as far as doing the work that you're supposed to do as far as a coordinator or what else. I used to learn a lot when I was a coordinator or a young coach by doing it myself with someone so I could see and visualize exactly what was going on. And you, you create that picture in your mind when you're doing it. So, you know, it's, it's good to have a support staff, but there's such a thing as having too many. I'd rather have somebody that I could ask something to, what do you think that I would respect the answer more than say, I don't know if I respect the answer he's going to give me. So I would try to surround myself always with people with experience, maybe sometimes older guys, sometimes guys that have been ex-head coaches or done certain things that want to do some things that maybe aren't ready for retirement, but yet again, give the young guys the same opportunity to start. I used to have a lot of young guys too, because I needed guys to be able to uh, do certain things that older guys didn't want to do. But younger guys, I'd look to them and say, you know, this is where you start. This is what you do. And I tell you, as a head football coach, you set that example, too. I would never walk by a piece of paper that was on the ground unless I picked it up. I would never do certain things that I wouldn't expect my football players to do. Because we're on our practice field more than we're in our backyard at home, okay? Or any other spot. And I certainly wouldn't want papers and stuff blown around my yard at home. So I certainly don't want them blowing around my practice field or pieces of tape or things that you drop on the ground or people come and visit our practice field not to throw things on the ground but to pick them up. But I never walk by a piece of paper that I hadn't picked up, and that's uh, showing an example of what I expect from everybody as far as on the football field. In fact, if our football field used to become dirty and wasn't like the way I expected it to be, we would line up and like they did in the service and we would police the area. We would walk around and pick up every single piece of anything on our football field to keep it as neat or cleaner than any other football field in the country. 
Oh, um, yeah, I think you need a good mix coach of, of experienced uh, assistants and analysts and stuff and, and, and some younger guys. These are the, the these are the two who are on the younger side, but one of them you know makes sense because he's come with Graham Harrell. So um, we'll see how those guys kind of work out. Uh, we had another text question. Do you guys think there's any way in the world T Martin ever comes back to SC or is there bad blood there now? Do you guys think him gone recruiting takes a big hit or does USC recruit itself? Uh, real quick for me, no, I, I don't think T Martin would be coming back. Um, I think he would have stayed because he was still going to get paid two more years and just be the wide receivers coach. Uh, he was fired. I, I don't see T Martin ever returning, and I do see replacing his recruiting prowess would be extremely difficult. I don't think USC recruits itself. There's a lot of advantages to recruiting at USC, so you're going to start at a higher point than if you started somewhere else. USC's down year, bad year, worst year we can remember was still the top 20 class. So there's a lot of just inherent advantages recruiting at USC. But I don't think T. Martin comes back, and I think him not being on the staff, is, especially as a recruiter, hurts. I don't know what you think, Coach. Well, I don't think he'll come back. I think he's got a future on where he's headed, and I think he's uh, he's got a great start as far as his background and having the titles he's had and being at USC, and now he's back home at Tennessee where he's very well respected, and I think he'll be a head coach somewhere in the South someday or Southeast or anywhere. And uh, but I don't think he comes back to USC. As far as recruiting, I think uh, they lost some in recruiting because of the uh, jump that he got as a recruit as rec- when recruiting was with him at USC. So a lot of those players that he had convinced to become a Trojan uh, sort of drifted away when he wasn't going to be there because he had formed a relationship for a couple of years with people. But I'm not going to say that these other people can't do that. I certainly would be having people on my staff that could recruit. He's not the only great recruiter in the world, and there are other ones, great ones out there. And as you just mentioned, Ryan, recruiting to USC, you've got an advantage there already as long as USC can become USC again. And I think USC is an advantage to start to recruiting, and you should develop and have great recruiters who can do that. Otherwise, you're not selecting the right coaches. Yeah, I agree with you there, Coach. Um, the problem was USC had a couple good recruiters and then a bunch of ones that weren't that good. So we'll see. But that's new- ridiculous. Yeah. The ones that weren't that good. <laughs> the new guys okay. coming in, we'll see how they how they do. But uh, it, there was just a big discrepancy because T. Martin was just so much better than most of the other guys. Um, and then he also said, I honestly think if T. Martin was still on the coaching staff, Brew McCoy stays. Uh, was Kerry Colbert not a good closer? Uh, I understand that Pete Carroll thought highly of him was saying, uh, saying out of all the players he coached, he saw Colbert as being a coach one day. Uh, but what do you guys think of Colbert? So real quick here, too. Yeah, I think if T. Martin's around, Brew McCoy is still with USC. Um, I don't – you can't bl- – like Coach said, you can't blame Kerry Colbert for not being a good closer. You put him in at the last minute and and expected him to keep a five-star recruit. There's going to be things that are just above his head. Um, he's, you know, this is only his second year being a full-time assistant coach. So, I, I mean, I don't think you can come in and expect him to fill those shoes right away. Uh, I'm a little – I mean, I, I like Kerry Colbert a lot, but typically in these kind of offenses, you have two wide receiver coaches, not just one. So USC only has one, and he's inexperienced. So uh, he was a great player. We just don't know about coaching wide receivers. I'm not blaming him for the way the tight ends performed last year. He was a tight ends coach. That was his first time, too. But, man, if you look at the pro football focus numbers, the tight ends were the three worst 
graded spots on the entire team. So I don't know. I'm a little, you know, I think the jury's still going to be out on him, but I don't, you know, just because Brew McCoy went somewhere else, you can't say, oh, Kerry Colbert's not a good closer. I think he's an active recruiter. I think he's out there, but he's just really inexperienced and you're putting him in a pretty important spot right now, coaching wide receivers for the air raid where, like I said, typically there's two wide receiver coaches in this offense and, and now there's only going to be one and he's pretty inexperienced. Well, he's inexperienced, but if he has the right enthusiasm and he can get in the door and he can uh, explain to what the SC's program is all about, here's what I used to say as a head football coach, and I don't know if you people agree with this or not. Hey, you lather him up and I'll shave him, okay? (laughs) I'm the head football coach. I'm the one that closes, okay? Uh, You get the kid lathered up, the parents lathered up, I'll come in with the razor blade and we'll shave him up and get him all ready to sign, okay? Okay. Or I'll deliver the pizza, and we'll have a little party and make this an event. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the guy that's supposed to be the closer, yes, it's great to have an assistant that can close, but the, you know whose responsibility that is? The head football coach. He's got to be able to close. I mean, you got to walk in the house and say, I'm not leaving here. Where's my bedroom until you decide to come? That's just the way it is around here. And, of course, you're not going to get them all, but you get to get your – I'd rather have a young, aggressive, a good kid out there working and just played at USC and talk about the tradition at USC. Hey, how many people, how many kids out there remember when USC was USC? How many kids? How many kids out there remember when USC used to go 11-0 and 10-0 and and go to the Rose Bowl every year and pound the ball down your throat and all of that? How many people? That's been a long time. So they got to remember that, and you've got to have young people that have played and been a part of that program to be able to get excited about talking about USC and talk about the rings and show them the rings they wore and, and get all involved in that and get excited. Then when the head coach comes in, then he can close the deal. So, you know, I, I, I think that uh, T. Martin was a great recruiter. I think he got a lot of credit for a lot of recruiting. Uh, but that's because nobody did anything else if anybody else wasn't recruiting, as you just mentioned, and I hope that wasn't the case. But if you get everybody recruiting, now you make up for a lot of the loss of maybe T. Martin because everybody should be recruiting. And the head coach should come in, too, and be the guy to be able to close them on this is the place your son should go to school and why. So I just want somebody who gets in and, and uh, finds out who the person is that's making the decision, wherever that might be, and I'm going to visit the campus, and when I visit the campus, I'm going to talk to everybody on that campus. I'm going to go in the equipment room. I'm going to go to the principal's office. I'm going to go everywhere when I'm on that campus to take full advantage that we're there and we care about this kid and his success. So, uh, you know, some people can do that and some people can't, but you're not going to survive long if you can't. Yeah, you will certainly not survive. Um, Next question was uh, about the wide receiver position. He said, probably the strongest position on the team. uh, But who's your favorite guy, Ryan, and why? So we want to know my favorite guy. We'll get yours too, Coach. I've always been a Tyler Vaughn's guy pretty much from the beginning. Uh, I still like him a lot. I'm curious to see how all of them perform in this different offense. We just saw so many contested balls last year. I don't feel like the scheme got people open. It was more athletes making plays. So now you should see some sort of schematic advantage where you're scheming guys open, giving the quarterback, uh, you know, more opportunities to throw to open receivers. 
So we just didn't see that like hardly at all in this offense. So uh, I'm curious. I think all of them, you know, it's a really deep group. I think they can all perform well, but I'll probably still stick with uh, Tyler Vaughn's as my favorite. How about, how about you coach? Well, they got to all be your favorite. You got really probably a, a playmaker. One will be a bigger playmaker than the others. And I agree with you a lot on what you're saying as far as uh, the schemes or the uh, person that said about the schemes. I never did believe in all of that. You know that I talked about that, and a lot of them didn't make any sense. A lot of the receivers last year just made big plays, one-head catches and so on to, to, to make it happen. And you talked earlier about Colbert, not the tight ends didn't have a high rating. Well, hell, they never did anything with the tight ends. I mean, how the hell can they have a rating? I mean, uh, uh, they never utilized him in the offense much at all in any type of – all they did was pass block the last time I saw. Uh, did a lot of pass blocking and get mismatches when the guy would beat them and sack the quarterback or rush the quarterback. And I'm not trying to be a smart smart ass when I say this. I'm saying they didn't utilize their tight ends. They never have utilized recently. Guys play at USC as a tight end and go in and play start as an NFL player. You just wonder, how the hell can that happen? And uh, it does. So you've got to utilize your entire receiver group and all of your schemes, and they do this, I do that, and all your receivers have got to be great receivers that you throw the football to. Because if they take away Tyler Vaughn, you've got to be able to go to other receivers and other schemes and other reads and all these different things that take advantages of different coverages. And I think Tyler Vaughn's done a great job. I think all of them have their own assets. Some are faster than others. Some are quicker than others. Some are uh, bigger and have arm length uh, than others. So you've got to be able to, you know, cause mismatches and routes and reads and so on that cause the, de- cause the defense a lot of difficulty. So that's the job of your offensive coordinator, Put, putting this package together whether it's utilizing your backs too in the passing game or not, because today your backs are in, you don't just talk about your receivers anymore in this offense. Don't talk about who, what, what your backs are doing and how many backs set you're running. And I guess you don't run any or whatever, but you've got to be able to have schemes that work uh, in, in order to take advantage of everyone. So I think that, you know, every individual has its, his uh, advantages of uh, maybe different than the other guy. There's no two guys that are always the same because one guy's faster than the other guy. One guy's taller than the other guy. One guy's quicker than the other guy. So you just put it in, put it together, and you use it, you know, on your mismatches and your matchups uh, on how and what works the best. We had one other wide receiver text question. Uh, someone, you know, Michael Pittman. A lot of people feel like he's the best wide receiver on the team, and uh, you know. You can make a great argument for him, but he uh, he's going into his senior year. He got a third-round grade when he put his uh, name into the NFL draft uh, analysis stuff. So they USC put out like a little story on him that he came back with a third-round grade. Uh, but the question was, with him getting that third-round grade, uh, coming back for his senior year, what do you think that grade could get raised to? So do you think he can improve his stock a lot, Coach, by coming back for his senior season? Well, that's a pretty high grade for him. As I'm surprised, really, uh, that that's that's a good grade. Not saying that he shouldn't be that grade. Don't get me wrong, but uh, probably uh, uh, improve. The best thing is to improve your route running, your hands, uh, uh, as far as your reads, uh, your uh, blocking, 
all of the above and everything you're required to do as a receiver and maybe pick up your speed a little bit too if there's possibly that chance to do that because I don't think he's a real burner as far as it doesn't appear that I see the separation that I should see. I see him making great catches, one-handed catches and one-handed catches and stuff uh, that way, but they're in a great amount of separation. And I think that uh, when you're a great receiver, you know, you're if someone plays you one-on-one, it's going to be a long afternoon for the defensive back if when you're a great, great receiver. So I think that's what he's got to work on as far as beating guys in individual routes. I think he has the ability to do that and take advantage of what he can do, and they should throw him the type of routes that he can win with, not throw him routes that he has to make a great one-handed catch <laughs> to make it happen. Right. So I think that's a lot of it too. Yeah, I think there's a, it's nice that he can do that, but it would be nice for him to be open more. <laughs> so, um, all right, let's see. Uh, we're going to end it off. We have uh, So this is a voicemail that we got. On uh, I think it was Wednesday night, we did Tunnel Vision, our, our live broadcast. And so our, our voicemail line is also the line people call in for Tunnel Vision. But when we're doing the live show, we can only take one call at a time. And some people have left some voicemail questions like during the show that we can't really answer during the show because it's live. But I wanted to play one of them for you here, Coach, and get your thoughts. So here is the question. Hi. I'm just wondering um, how you see the O-line developing for um, next season. There were a lot of um, there were a couple of freshmen this year that redshirted, um, and then we have you know some of the sophomores and some of the seniors graduated, um, and I think there's a junior or two. So I'm just wondering, you know, how you see the O line developing. Thanks. Well, you know, let me put it to you this way: they certainly have, I would think, uh, in recruiting. Uh, there's no reason why USC shouldn't have the prospects that they need to have a great offensive line. As far as recruiting, you should be able to get the great ones. Now, uh, a lot of people uh, uh, have said they haven't gotten the great offensive linemen over the last couple of years. Well, that's uh, for these kids to prove wrong. And that would be my main message to them if I was coaching the offensive line. i say, aren't you guys getting tired of hearing this crap? Aren't you guys tired of hearing about, hey, the offensive line can't block? Aren't you getting tired of hearing about all this stuff? I certainly am. And I'd say, let's let's prove people wrong. Let's try to do whatever it takes to be the best offensive line in the country of the Pac-12, and we start right now. And that would have been, uh, since Tim uh, Drevo's been the offensive line coach, you know he's going to be, that would have been two months ago, okay? We'd have started working out, have started talking, we'd have started working about Hey, how we're going to be the best, and uh, and that's the way we would have worked by being hard nosed, trying to drive a wall that wouldn't move, try to do things that are somewhat crazy, but try to prove to people we're going to be the best. And number one person we want to prove it to is ourselves, the confidence in ourselves that we can get it done. And as a coaching staff and as a group of five offensive linemen on the field at the same time with a support staff ready to take the field anytime they're needed, this would be our goal. As far as working on the sleds, as far as punching, as far as everything we have to do to win, uh, that would be our goal, to get stronger, bigger, powerful, quicker, uh, pull, lead, block, finish the block, play on their side of the line of scrimmage. That would be my goal. Win every one-on-one block that we do against the defense, and if we don't, get up and want to go again and get up and want to go again until you beat that guy. 
this would be my philosophy if I was coaching that offensive line, and I've coached the offensive line for years when I was an assistant coach. I thought it was a great challenge, and this would be our goal. We would meet, eat together, talk together, not necessarily necessarily be around each other all the time, but when we're around each other, hey, we'd be a, we'd like handcuffed together, okay? I'd know exactly what you're thinking all the time. I would know, and you know, and we could look at the film together, and we'd know exactly how we can attack this line and go after it. We'd have a game plan that we knew we were going to be successful with, and it started with beating them at the line of scrimmage, beating their butt, set them up, and beat their butt. And uh, that'd be my goal. That's the way I'd coach this offensive line. I wouldn't care if they're four-star, two-star, one-star. I don't care what they are. Uh, you are who you are, okay? And this is who we have. We're not going to have anybody else. You are the guy. Somewhere in this group, there are going to be five guys that want to go to war, okay? I want to find out who you are. That way I can go with you. I want to live, okay? So let's figure this out and let's do it together as a unit. And uh, that's the way I'd attack this line. I'd, I mean, I'd be sick and tired of hearing it if I was an offensive line coach or an offensive player. I'd be sick and tired of hearing it. You can't play. You're too tall. You can't do this. You're not physical. And I'm one of the guys that talk about this crap all the time. <laughs> but but you understand what my point is, Ryan? Yeah. I would get them mad. I would get them upset at the way people talk about them and ask questions like that. I'd say, hey, guys, I don't give a damn what anybody thinks. We're going to prove to people. And you know who we're going to prove it to? Ourselves. Then they're going to have to write good things about us. And that's where I'd go. Yeah, now Tim Drevno uh, taking over, obviously, when Neil Calloway was fired. They had a lot of continuity for three years with, with Calloway as the head coach, but the performance wasn't there. I think those lines might have been more talented than this one as a group. And thanks for the call. Um, she didn't leave uh, her name or anything, but thank you for calling in. Um, you know, got to replace a few starters from last year. I think you look at the group, uh, it's pretty, you know, you got a couple of redshirt seniors. Uh, some really strong juniors, uh, some redshirt sophomores that will be in the mix, and then uh, a couple true freshmen and redshirt freshmen. But look, just in the center, either Brett Nealon or uh, Justin Dietrich is most likely going to start there. I think you you got Austin Jackson most likely going to be starting at left tackle. Uh, but, you know, there's some other guys that, you know, Brett. Uh, we saw Andrew Voorhees get a lot of starts there. He's probably going to be in one of those guard spots. Probably Elijah Vera Tucker, but, I mean, you got guys like Clayton Bradley and Jalen McKenzie. Um, you know, Frank Martin, Bernard Shermer, who was a transfer and Jacob Daniels, uh, you know, Liam Douglas. So there's, there's some, some guys that you haven't seen a lot of that could be in the mix too. And I think with a new offensive line coach, uh, you know, and Clay Helton said all, uh, you know, all positions are open. So just because you started there last year, doesn't mean you're going to be there again. We'll see sort of going forward, uh, you know, what this looks like, but this is definitely going to be something to watch how these guys develop. Do they have that killer attitude in practice? Are they going to push people around? Or are they going to get pushed around? Too much of getting pushed around before. Uh, I think there's enough talent there, Coach, that they should be pushing people around. And we'll see if they kind of practice like that. Ryan, you're, you're exactly right. And, and I, I'm going to tell you, I wouldn't, you know, I, I wouldn't say anybody's got anything guaranteed as far as what you did in the past is what you're going to do in the future. And if they couldn't get it done, I'd make trades with the defensive line. I bring somebody over from defense to play offense. You think I'm kidding you? But a guy like uh, like uh, McKenzie and some of these guys, what are you talking about? You got all the ability in the world to be a great player. Tucker, Jackson, 
I mean, what do you mean? Jackson, I think it was Jackson around the anchor leg on the relay team. All right, it's time now to carry a shot put when you're running, okay? It's time to throw that shot put every time that you run and you do these different things. Be an all-pro guard. These son boys, it's about time that you get ready to play. I think he got married one year and mispracticed because he got married. Isn't that true? How the hell do you mispractice to, to get married? <laughs> I mean, I'd never allow that. Clay Helton, don't get me wrong, but say, say, Clay, come on. Get married on some other day. Tell a kid that. I mean, what? The, I mean, I'm, excuse me, I'm, getting, I'm going off on this. But this isn't the way you're coaching offensive line. The rest of the guys would have said, what? He's going, where? You've got to be kidding me. He's accused from practice. Wedding's a big day, but, guy, have enough respect for your team that you're not going to miss a day of practice to get married, okay? I mean, uh, and a lot of you out there will probably be cursing me now for saying this, but I tell you, when you're a group, that's like saying you're going to war and one guy that carries the machine gun got got to go do something that day. What are you talking about? I mean, let's get this stuff together. Yeah, I don't. I don't mind guys getting married, Coach. But <laughs> oh, come but... <laughs> on, Ryan, get married in the off season, okay, or on a Sunday, okay, or All something. Right. Okay, come coach. on, get tough, my God. I'll be tough about it. All right, um, cool. Well, I think that's. Uh, I think that's going to wrap it up. Um, some good questions and stuff, and some interesting topics. About just over two weeks left before. Um, spring football starts so we'll be curious to see what that looks like how different it is going forward uh players coming back from injury does Stephen Carr look like he's the old Stephen Carr what's the offense in general the offensive line a lot of a lot of interesting topics and a lot of se- I mean a lot of seniors a lot of veterans you got to replace on the defensive side of the ball too even though the scheme's not going to change much uh there's some other things that will so uh very curious to watch all of that coach we appreciate you coming on and sharing all your insights and thanks for all the questions that were sent in uh but thanks again coach are you, are you sure are you sure, sure you want to thank me for what i just told you you couldn't get married yeah, you know, that's, practice? That, you're, that's huh? tough, you're a tough guy coach you're that, you know that's fine i just don't want if you really want to get married then maybe you ought to get married and drop football yeah, I think Jack Sears had to miss practice too because he was in the wedding or something, if I remember correctly. But yeah, yeah, I remember that correct. Wasn't that wonderful? <laughs> a quarterback is vying for the starting position. You have only so many days of spring practice, I and you mean... got guys getting married. What's the next one? The guy's got to go to what? And then somebody else got another one. I mean, there's you don't miss practice for anything, okay? Hey, you don't miss it because you let your other guys down on the team. The other guys that are getting better. What are you talking about? Come on, guys. Let's be Trojans. Let's be winners. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll we'll, uh, we'll leave it at that, I guess. But that is the coach. Be better. <laughs> that is the coach, Harvey Hyde. Don't get married during his uh, on time. Uh, this is Ryan Abraham, publisher of USCFootball.com. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you next time. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287, 1-800-888-7287, that's 1-800-888-7287, or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater.
you've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 